Hello, and welcome to the Real Happy Mom Podcast, the weekly podcast for moms to get inspiration, encouragement, and practical tips for this journey called motherhood. My name is Tony Ann, and you are listening to episode number 65. Well, hey there. Can you believe that January is over and now we're in February? I feel like this year is going to go by so quick, but I have so many great guests to come on the podcast and share some great things to help make 2020 a really great year for you. Today, I have Renee coming on and talking to us. She is a mother of three, an occupational therapist, and an advocate for moms who desire more grace, space, and rest in their lives. She is the founder of the Rising Moms Community Club, a community for moms who are ready to rise above the chaos and overwhelm in their lives in busy days and trade exhaustion and never-ending to-do lists for a life with more joy. Renee has found strength beyond her own in navigating life struggles with multiple miscarriages, life with three kids, working mom life, stay-at-home mom life, and a husband with a brain tumor and seizures. So she knows all about the struggles that we have as moms. She's also the host of the annual More Than Mom Summit, the Greater Clutter Clear Out Challenge, and the podcast of the Rising Moms Podcast. I'm so happy to have Renee come on and share with us some ways that we can reduce and eliminate the chaos and overwhelm in our lives. And I know that you're going to find this super duper helpful because I know I did. Now, before we jump into our episode for today, we want to share a mommy win. So let's listen to this week's win. Hey, my name is Lawan Moses. I am from Delaware. You can find me on Instagram at Lawan Moses. I'm in the business to help moms find time to do more of the things that they love. My 2019 win is finally taking the time to invest in myself, in my dreams, and in my goals. I'm excited for what 2020 has to come, and I cannot wait to launch to my next level. LaJuan, I am so excited for you and so excited for what you have planned for 2020. And one of those things is launching a podcast, and LaJuan has just launched her podcast, and I am so excited for her. It is more than a mother, and you can definitely go check that out because she has some really good things to share there too as well. So LaJuan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your win with us. Now that we have that out of the way, let's jump into today's episode. All right, Renee, you are on the Real Happy Mom podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yes, Renee is going to be really helping us out today. But before we jump into our topic, I just wanted you to share a little bit about you and what you do for a living. Yeah. So I have two passion projects. One of them, I work in the NICU with little itty bitty babies. And then I also work with moms online, really helping them get back to a place where they feel joyful and happy and excited about motherhood because we all know motherhood can be exhausting and overwhelming. And so those are my two main priority or like passion projects, I guess I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Now you are really good with helping moms, especially the ones that are feeling like they lose their identity or lack of awareness. So I wanted you to start by just talking to us a little bit about this and how we can get back on track if we're feeling like we're losing our identity. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's so easy when we become moms to just jump full force into this new role. I mean, like a baby is up every two hours. We're not sleeping. We're not doing things like in that first bit of time frame. When we have a new baby, we we almost go delusional in the middle of the night. And so it can be really easy to lose our sense of who we are, who we were before we had kids, who we are now, and just navigating that whole journey. I think it's really important to recognize that the person that you were before you had kids is not necessarily the same person that you are now that you have a baby and that that birthing process or adoption process or like whatever process you it took for you to become a mom was like this metamorphosis sort of experience and that you come out being maybe more beautiful or something different or something on the other side and that sometimes there is a little bit of grieving who that person was before but stepping into that person that we are today and and embracing that new identity can reap so many new benefits and rewards that we weren't even really aware that we're there. And so I think this and it, it, this process can take time and it, or in energy and intention because if we don't really pay attention, we just sit there and we're like years down the road thinking, gosh, I used to love going out with my girlfriends or I used to love reading books or I used to love whatever. And my life doesn't consist of any of that anymore. And so I feel deflated and I feel like there's nothing for me anymore. And so it's kind of shifting gears and figuring out who, who am I today? Where am I at today? What are those things that I love today? Today, not necessarily then, and how can I use those things to fill me up and fuel me today? Yes, I could not agree with you more on that, <laughs> Renee. And it's funny that you talk about it this way because on a previous episode, I want to say it was episode number 17, I talked to Katie Cavo about what to do when you're feeling lost in motherhood. And one thing that we didn't touch on that you just touched on, and I love it, was talking about how you're probably going to be grieving over the person who you used to be. Because I think that that is part of the problem, at least that I had. Because I remember I used to think, well, I used to do all these things and it used to be so fun. And now I'm just like, womp, womp. So I think that it is a yeah. really good point that we do need to take time and kind of grieve that person, but understand that we do turn into a different person who can be stronger, happier, and do different things and have different hobbies. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, I think that, you know, we all talk about like, stop comparing yourself to other people, stop comparing yourself to the other moms, like whatever. But I don't think we ever really talk about this, comparing ourselves to the person that we were before. And that can be just as dangerous as comparing ourselves to the neighbor down the street, because we compare what we're feeling and what we're thinking and who we are and what we're doing today to that person that was pre-kids. And there's just like no comparison. There's no like how, I mean, you have a, a, a human being that you're feeding and giving life to and supporting and caring for. And so, yes, your activities and your life and your thoughts and your energy and everything is going to be completely different. So why would we compare ourselves to that person? But so many of us do. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yes, I totally agree with you on that one because I am guilty as charged on that. <laughs> I think another thing too, Renee, is that a lot of times in addition to feeling all lost and, and feeling that we you know, have this lack of awareness of who we are now, we are also dealing with the chaos and overwhelm of being a mom and managing everything. 
and not being able to fully enjoy our lives. So you have this four-step process that you help women with eliminating the chaos and overwhelm. So I wanted us to walk through that four-step process and start with um, the first step of prioritizing. So um, walk us through that one and how we can better prioritize. Yeah. So, well, I I guess I'll give some hindsight in how I kind of got started with this because when my third baby, I was pregnant with my third baby, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so we navigated a year of, you know, brain surgery, and then he started having seizures from it, and then he couldn't drive, and then we had our third baby, and I, my, the place I was working wouldn't let me have more than a couple of weeks off, and so it was just like this chaotic year of me driving my husband back and forth to work every day, me going to work frequently, me having three kids, you know, with a brand new baby at home, and just all of the chaos that that brought in that year, it was my breaking moment year. It was the moment I was, I realized I was like, why am I a mom? Like, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not what I signed up for. I thought mom life was going to be fun. I thought it was going to be joyful. I was excited to raise these little human beings. And now I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to do this. Like we were in Hawaii on our 10 year anniversary trip and you know, it felt like we should be so great. Like this, we had this vacation. My grandma paid for us. My husband was healthy. My kids were healthy. Like everybody was great. And yet on the backside of it, I was like, maybe I'll just stay here in Hawaii because I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like I don't want to deal with the mom life, the overwhelm, the people constantly needing me and feeling like I never got a break and never got anything for me. It was all just about everybody else. And I didn't have enough time or energy to manage any of it. And so that that point was my rock bottom kind of moment that I said, I'm like, I'm drawing the line in the sand. Like something's not working. So what I'm doing is not working. I can't do this anymore. So if I can't do this, what is that that I'm going to do that's going to shift and change? And so that is where these four steps kind of came from. And it's developed and changed and morphed over the years and kind of gotten to this place where I feel like these are the four core pieces of kind of getting out of that overwhelm. And you are totally right that priorities is the first one. And I think it's because so many times we go through our days reacting instead of really being proactive. We're, you know, getting invitations to soccer practice or the thing, the play at school, or we're getting the, the, you know, the laundry piled up, or we're getting the fights that we're breaking up with our kids or whatever it may be. Like we're in this reactive sort of mode. And when we're in reaction, there's no intention behind it. So we're just we're handling the things that come our way and handling the things that come our way makes us feel so overwhelmed rather than being in a place of, Hey, this is something I really choose and I'm putting on my calendar or I'm putting in my home because I really want it here. That energy just totally shifts the perspective and you change from being reactive to proactive And it gives you a really good guiding measuring stick for what you say yes or no to. If somebody, you know, comes to you and asks you to be a part of something or to do something or, or whatever, you can authentically say yes or no from a really great place because you know, it's aligned with those things that matter the most to you. The, the goals that you have, the priorities that you've set in stone in your life, you know, where you're going and what you want to be a part of your life. And so it makes it easier to have that like measuring stick when you're making those choices. Yes. Does that make, does that make sense? <laughs> oh yeah. No, that makes really, it's really, really good. Um, 
it was a couple of things that I wanted you to touch on um, with priorities because that has been something that I definitely want to do better about because as moms, I feel like a lot of times it's hard for us to say no. And mm-hmm. that really messes up things. And then that's when I think we get into that reactive state because we're saying yes to everything. But that also means we're saying no to other things, which usually is ourself and yeah. things that we need to do to make sure that we're taken care of. But what came to mind initially when you start talking about that is because I told my office manager probably a week or two ago, like, you know, 2020 is all about me doing the things that I absolutely want to do, especially at work. Like, I'm not going to say yes to just anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times it takes a little bit of courage to kind of stand up for yourself and to say no. Um, But I wanted you to help us moms because a lot of times I think it's no kind of has this bad kind of sense to it but it's really not bad saying no so so I want you to talk to us about that in particular when it comes to setting priorities yeah yeah for sure it's so you know when you know what your priorities are so for instance for me in our family one of our priorities is creating memories so I know like if there's something that comes along and it has the opportunity to create a memory, it's going to be a much higher probability that I'm going to say yes to it than something else. And so we kind of use that as a guiding stick. You know, at Christmas, we said no to a ton, a ton of toys and presents at Christmas because I want that memory making sort of peace rather than all of the stuff and the toys coming into my home, if that makes sense. And so when you know, when, when you say no to something when, or say yes to something, I guess, in sense, you're saying no to something else. And so having that kind of perspective that if you're saying yes to this little thing that doesn't matter so much to you, you have to come to realize that you're saying no to something else. And maybe that no is taking care of you. Maybe that no is doing something for your kids, or maybe it's just having the energy to be able to, to give all of you to your kids. And so when you realize that and you understand that it's not necessarily this yes or no in terms of like, I think, you know, when I think about it, what happens is that we're, we're worried about what other people are going to think when we say no. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's the guiding, that guiding piece. It's like, we're worried about what our kids are going to think or what our neighbors are going to think or our friends are going to think. But when you think about it, we all have different priorities. We're not the same person. So what matters to me isn't going to matter to my best friend. She has her own set of guiding stick, like measuring stick. It's just like everybody has their own skills. That's why I like Pinterest. We compare ourselves to everybody on Pinterest, but not everybody's doing everything on Pinterest, right? Like we, we have this idea that we're comparing ourselves to like saying no, because we're worried about what somebody else is going to think, but what matters to somebody else isn't going to matter to you. So when you know what matters to you and you realize that, that like, Hey, my aunt Jane, doesn't have these same priorities. That's why she's upset that I'm said yes or said no to this, but that's okay because I'm being true to me and I'm being true to my, uh, my family's priorities. And we're in this together. Like my family's making this choice together. It still is a muscle. It's not something that comes easy. Just naturally, all of a sudden you've picked these priorities and you're magically able to just jump in and tell people no with no issues, but it makes it so much easier when you can tell yourself, you're like, no, I said, no, I know she's upset because I said no, but I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my family. And this is where our family is. And when you can relay that 
two to your, to pee, whoever that makes it easier too. When you tell them like, this is our family's priorities along with these things. And this just doesn't fit in with it. It's not a matter of you. It's not a matter of me not liking you or doing something against you. It's just, it doesn't fit with our schedule and our time, maybe down the road, maybe some other time, whatever, but just not right now. Yes, I am with you on that one, Renee. (laughs) Now, the next step that you have is simplify. So we've gotten our priorities. So now we're, we're into this step on how we can simplify things for our lives. So walk us through this step. Yeah. So when I came back from Hawaii, my first thing was I've got to get rid of all the stuff because I felt like all I did every single day was picking up stuff. (laughs) There was Legos and toys and and laundry and dishes. It was like there was no time for me to do anything other than just keep up with the daily stuff. And somebody had told me at one point, um, I think it might've been my dad. It was like, I'm going to get rid of your stuff when you're on, like when you're on vacation, I'm just going to go through and clean it out. And I had such a visceral reaction to that. And I was so upset that he would even consider giving away something of mine. And it was kind of those two instances that made me realize like, gosh, I am so attached to this stuff. And is this really lining up with my priorities and what matters to me the most? Like I'm spending all my time and my energy being a household manager instead of actually doing like the memory making stuff that I want to be doing. And so we started this journey of decluttering and getting rid of the stuff that actually didn't matter. And I recently read a study that said that there's on average, the eight year old has about 238 toys at home but that they only play with about 12. And so when I looked at that, I was like, gosh, I'm putting so much of my kids' happiness in what toys they have rather than focusing it back to these priorities and the things of spending time with me. Like I am a hot mess, angry mom because I'm spending all my time cleaning, but yet they want me. So what could we do to get to make it so that they get more of me? I feel more sane. And so going through and getting rid of some of the stuff has been this ongoing journey. It started, you know, three or four years ago and it's still today. Like I'm consistently shifting my mindset towards what can I let go of in my time, in my home, in my mindset, in my calendar, like whatever, like where can I let go of something so that I have more of me and more time for me and my family and the things that matter the most. So it really is all about kind of finding these hacks of like keeping a cleaner house with less time, being more productive. How can you, instead of being scattered and all day cleaning all day, can you make these like power blocks of time and and having these little routines and habits so that you can get it clean faster, but really it's about getting rid of the excess in your life, whether it's on your time or on your calendar or in your home. Um, We have so much that we're just managing that really doesn't matter to us unless we sit there and we pay attention to it and, and have it there with intention. It's so funny that you bring this up, Renee, because we are actually like right before we start talking, we were actually throwing out a ton of stuff. Like I had stuff from when my son started preschool and my husband was like, do we really need this? And I was like, yeah, Yeah. but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thrown away, but it's just crazy to me. Like 
how much stuff we have that we don't really use. And especially when you talk about the toys, like that statistic is crazy. And Uh I really think it's true because I know my kids, well, at least for my son, he was the um, only grandchild for a long time. So he was spoiled rotten with a bunch of toys that he didn't even play with. And I promise I filled up garbage bag after garbage bag after garbage bag of just toys. And I told myself no more, no more of the toys. So I'm totally with you on simplifying things. Um, but I just wanted to see if you had any special routines or systems that you found that have been helpful for simplifying at least the home life part. Well, one of the things I always really recommend up front is that you pay attention to what you bring in. So that's going to be the easiest thing because we have emotional attachments to all, most of our stuff, right? Like you have even there's this fear of if I get rid of it, will I be able to afford it down the road or whatever? And so there's all this emotion and stuff that goes into why we hold on to our stuff. But the easiest thing is just to stop bringing more stuff into your house. So, and then starting there and then just slowly chipping away. Maybe you don't do a full huge, like declutter your entire house and like get rid of all your sentimental things and you know, all these little mementos that you have, like you don't necessarily have to do that all in one big sweep. Maybe you just focus on being really mindful of what you bring into your home. And then you start just getting rid of a few things every day. So I have a bag or a box in my bedroom where I put a few things every day. And I just get, when I'm pulling a pair of clothes out of the closet, when I'm going to put them on, I say, gosh, do I really love these? Do I really, really want these still? If not, then they go in the bin. And so I've just made this habit of paying attention, I guess, to all of the stuff that I'm using and instead of just mindlessly using it, but asking myself continuously when I'm, you know, doing laundry or I'm in the kitchen or that was my kitchen had so many different random utensils and stuff. I was like, do I really need six spatulas? Probably not. And like, (laughs) you don't think it's that big of a deal, but the more you just start to pare down and get into the habit of letting things go consistently it makes it really easy to pay attention to the things that are there and say like, gosh, this really doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm going to let this go. And so making it a habit, then I think that's for me, like I have a bin where I always have it available to put stuff and it's a routine thing for me to actually get rid of stuff. And in coming into the house, like the kids recently got like a, we went to a, a, I don't know, a fair event thing or whatever. And they came home with all these little stuffed animals. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these are toys that I'm going to have to pick up later. And, you know, I let it ride out. As soon as they've kind of let go, they, they don't remember the toy that they got or whatever. I pick it up and I put it in the box. And if they come to me and they feel like, oh, where's that toy? then I'll get it back to them. But at the same time, oftentimes they just want that joy of, hey, I just won this prize at the thing and I want to enjoy it and have fun with it, but they're going to forget it within the week. And so I let them have that high of playing with it and, you know, whatever. And then I put it in the box and I don't take the box to the, you know, donation bin every week. So if they do decide they want that toy, they can get it back or whatever. But it just it helps to always be looking at like, where can I let go of something in my life? Yes. And now you're going to make me pay attention to everything <laughs> that I'm bringing in. So thank you for sharing that quick tip because I take my kids to this um, little place called Splits. It's similar to like a Dave and Buster's, but it's a little bit smaller. 
and they get toys every time they come home and every time yeah. I'm in the car, like, oh my God, not another one. <laughs> so yeah. I will definitely use that tactic of having a little area or a bin to put those things away. So thank you yeah, for sharing well, that one. And on top of that, like you said, like some of those toys are really small. You know, you think of like those little rubber bouncing balls or the mm-hmm. little like frog flippy things, like all those things that you would get at a game place like that. Those are perfect things to stock away and save for Halloween Ooh. because I mean, and for me, like I know when my kids go trick-or-treating, they come back with mounds of chocolate or candy and I don't want that. And so I'm like, I'm, and being an occupational therapist that I am, I'm like, oh, you know, there's some kids that can't eat that, you know, like what Mm -hmm. could we do differently? So I was in the past purchasing like bubbles or tattoos or whatever to give out on Halloween. And now I just give out all of those random toys that my kids have collected over the years. So anything like that, like even those little tiny stuffed animals will stick in there and the kids will give, will give those out for Halloween um, when Halloween comes around. I like that because yeah. I stopped doing the candy too because as a dentist, like I don't want to really promote that. So I was yeah. handing out toothbrushes and <laughs> what did I hand out? Yeah, I almost got egg that year. Um, and then <laughs> I handed out um, some glow sticks and things like that because uh-huh. the neighborhood is pretty cool. So it's funny that you mentioned that. See, I'm going to save some money this year. Oh there my you goodness. go. Thank you, Renee. You're awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's move on to this third step of delegating. This is the one that I was really waiting for for you to talk about because this is something I will be honest. I'm going to raise my hand. I suck at delegating. (laughs) And that is one thing that I want to do better about um, this year in particular. But I think it's moms, we just have a hard time asking for help and accepting help. So I just wanted you to share um, some ways that we can delegate so that we can get more done and then we don't burn ourselves out in the process. Yeah. Well, so I look at this as two, kind of twofold in terms of delegating and, and creating your team. So no one person is meant to do all of it all on your own. You, you know, we, I, I firmly believe that as human beings, we were created to live in community and that went together is better. And, you know, my kids go to a school that talks all about um, the seven habits of highly effective people. And one of their things is synergize. And synergize means that to be- together we're better, right? Like we cr- come up with better ideas and we support each other and we, we work better as a team than if one person is trying to do it all on our own. Like not, not a single one of us is super mom. <laughs> like we can't do it. And so I, I firmly believe it's in our nature and in our way of life that we were meant to live in community. And so looking at kind of creating this team shouldn't be seen as, or asking for help shouldn't necessarily be seen as like a weakness. It should be seen as a strength that you are recognizing that you don't have it all. You don't have all of your, every, every skill under the planet and you were not meant to, and that together you come together, we're going to create some really, really amazing generation coming after us or our our generation of moms that are out today are going to be the most in tune with who we were meant to be and, and all of that. So kind of looking at creating your team and delegating, not as a weakness, but as like, we're coming together as a community for, for how we were meant to be. So there's two types of delegation that I'm kind of creating your team that I like to kind of point out. And one of them is like paid 
And so this would be hiring a landscaper, hiring a cleaner, like hiring people to do tasks that you don't enjoy doing so that they can, you can offload those tasks so that you can then spend your time and energy focused on the priorities that you have. And I know I get a lot of kickback from this one. Um, people will often tell me they don't have money and they, you know, they don't, they, they don't want to spend the money on it and all of these things. And I remember talking to some of my clients about how I hired a landscaper this last year. And when I hired him, I, in my head, was telling myself this story of like, hey, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to be mowing the lawn every day. And so I'm going to hire this person and I'm going to give him this hundred bucks once a month so that he can then put food on the table for his family. Like in my head, I just kept telling myself, like, it's not just about me mowing my lawn and being selfish and wanting the help and whatever. Like I'm contributing to somebody else's well-being. Like I am giving him money so that he can, you know, buy groceries or buy clothes or whatever for his family. And this Christmas, I got a card in my mailbox from him and it had a picture of him and his little like three-year-old daughter. And so it was just that like full circle moment of feeling like I am actually putting food on the table for his family or clothes or whatever it may be. Like I am contributing to this whole collective community as a whole by me offloading some of the tasks that don't matter the most to me. And so that really has shifted for me in terms of how I look at delegation and that community piece. Like, this is not something I want to do, so I'm going to hand it over to somebody else and in turn help support them and their family. The other type of delegation is within your house and with your team. So asking for help from your spouse or your kids, creating systems and routines so that they're all contributing and we're all working together to do it. Um, I think it's really valuable too to look at it as raising kids that are going to be self-sufficient and be able to manage a house and live on their own someday, you know, like we're using these, this time as training ground to teach them, like, how do you fold your laundry? How do you put your laundry away? What do you do with the dishes? Like, how do you put the soap in? And like really handing them off these skills so that they can gain the independence skills to then do it on their own someday. So it's not just all about offloading the task from you so that you can be a little bit more sane, but it's, it's like this, the same thing, like a full circle moment of sharing some of the tasks with them so that you're spending less time having to do it, but then empowering them to grow up as independent, self-sufficient adults. So I really think that there's a lot there, like in, in terms of either whether it's paid or not paid, or even just asking our friends for help. You know, oftentimes we feel so guilty asking for help, but Yet, if you were to look at it, when we've given help to somebody who is in need, like that's a gift. Like I love being able to help and support somebody. And so by not being willing to accept help from other people, it's almost robbing other people of the opportunity to, to be that giver. And so kind of shifting that perspective too can be really helpful. Yes. And I don't know if I shared this with you, Renee, but my word for 2020 this year is tribe. So I think it's funny okay. that we're talking about this because one thing that I really want to work on is not just building my tribe, of course, online and helping other moms, but having a tribe at home too who can help mm -hmm. me at home so I don't feel so overwhelmed. Um, but I love the the part where you brought up about 
you know, allowing kids to, to help out with chores and, and do things around the house so that they can become independent. Because I know that that was something that I struggled with at first. Because I was, I remember I was telling my mom, I was like, mom, oh my gosh, like your grandson's over here trying to help me and I'm taking forever. She's like, let him help, let him help. And like, now I let him help. And I'm like, he's actually doing a pretty decent job. Like I should yeah. let him help me more. But um, I think it's just that mentality of like, oh, you know, I can do it better. So I'm gonna do it myself and then you end up burning yourself out trying to do everything. So I love that you brought up that aspect of, you know, allowing the kids to help you out. But I think another thing too, and maybe you can touch on this a little bit, Renee, is, you know, asking our spouses or at least talking to our spouses so that we're on the same page. So we're not feeling like we're doing everything on our own. Cause I know with my husband, he doesn't read my mind. He doesn't know what I'm thinking. Yeah. He doesn't know that I hate when he does laundry because he leaves the clothes in there and it gets all wrinkled and I don't like to iron. But if I communicated these things with him, then he would know, okay, maybe I won't do the laundry. Let me let her do it and I'll go handle the the yard because that's one thing I am not doing. So um, definitely having that communication so that we can um, work together and have that synergy and it's not just one person doing everything or you know having that traditional aspect like oh the woman's supposed to cook and clean and take care of the house like no like we need to work together on this one yeah well and i think you just pointed out too that the way you communicate it makes or breaks it right like it's Mm -hmm. not there's there's this element of like well i told my husband that i couldn't do it all i told him like please take out the trash like i need you to take out the trash and it's like Well, if you think about that, like who's going to want to take out the trash when you do it that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how you communicate with your spouse and kind of share that you need some help can be vastly different in the outcome. And, and so if you're wanting to, obviously you don't want to do it when you're frustrated and upset, you know, you don't want to ask for that help when you're angry and mad and yelling and you're, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere, but having a time when you can talk together in a really calm, authentic way. And I know that I've always heard the like sandwich method, you know, like you, you praise something that he's done or you thank him for something that he's done, acknowledge some of the ways he's helped you. And then you squeeze in the middle, you know, like if your bread, the something that you would like help with and how you want change. And then you finish it off again with kind of like praising or thanking him for something that he's doing, you know? So it could be something like, Hey, hon, I really appreciated how you um, got up and made me coffee this morning. I I would really appreciate if you could help me take out the trash before you leave for work at the end of the day. You know, it just makes, it makes it so much easier for me. And I feel like you're helping out. um, And, you know, and thanks so much for um, getting my lunch ready to go before you left too, you know? And so you like, kind of weasel that little like request in there in the middle. And so Mm. it doesn't come across as like this, like you're never doing anything. You're never helping me out. And I will be, I will hands down tell you, I have been guilty of coming into my husband being like, I feel like I'm the only one that does anything around here. Like I am (laughs) the, the only one that's doing the laundry or doing the dishes. And oftentimes, like if we really pay attention, our spouses are doing something. And so when we start to recognize those places that they are doing something and we acknowledge that to them, it kind of reinforces to them that like, Hey, I do notice. And it works. This works the same for your kids, right? Like I noticed that you helped out, which was awesome. Can you please help me out with this specific thing too? And then like, let's keep up the, we're doing this together. And I know it sounds really cheesy, 
when you think about it and it's like, and it's really formulaic, but the more you practice it, the more it just gets to be like this natural thing where you're like praising for the things that they're doing and then putting in these requests at the same time. And so that it comes across so much easier and they feel motivated. They feel, they feel like they want to help you because you recognized how they're helping. Yes, definitely. I am totally with you on that one. Because like I said, they don't read our minds and they don't know. But definitely when you when you say it like that, it does make it sound a lot better. And I would actually want to take out the trash the way that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so Renee, let's jump to the last step, which is rhythm. This one is one that I, I really wanted to hear your take on it and what it would look like in our day-to-day life. Yeah. Well, I think we have this idea that we are the same every single day and that we operate at the same level of energy. We operate with the same level of motivation and all of that every single day, but really we don't. And if you look at just the way the world works, like our year, we have a seasons, right? Like most places in the world have a fall, a winter, a spring, a summer. And so in those seasons, like if you look at harvesting or like planting outside, there's times of the year that are focused on different things. We're not harvesting food all year. They're not in the, in the ground all year long. Or, um, you know, they're not planting seeds all year long. Like there's a season and there's a time for each one of those tasks. And it, it's the same for us as human beings too. Like there's a season of the year when you want to be kind of more reflective. Like at the beginning of the year, it seems like this is the perfect time of year to kind of look forward. We're looking forward to the next year and all the new things that are going to come and how we're going to change our goals and like all of that. And then there's a time of the year when we're having fun, you know, the summer when you're relaxing and engaged. And then the winter, you're more hibernating and spending time resting with your family and being cozy on the couch. And so when we look at this, that there's this yearly like rhythm and seasons and flow, there's also rhythms and flow within the month, particularly for women. So with your menstrual cycle, you have different hormones that are coming you know, into play throughout the month. And it's those hormones each and every single day are going to play with your, your energy levels and your feelings of productivity and your feelings of self-doubt. And all of these things are going to ebb and flow throughout the month. And so when, and even within the day, there's a rhythm, you know, in the morning, you're waking up super full of energy and feeling ready to go and good. And then that three o'clock lull comes in the middle of the afternoon. And so when you look at all of these rhythms and these things that are going on in your day-to-day life, it one gives you so much forgiveness and grace to be able to be like, Hey, this is right now I'm in this low spot and acknowledge that. How can I shift it and change or modify the activity that I'm doing right now so that it matches with where I'm at. And then also it gives it so that you can put certain things in certain places so that you can maximize on that productivity. For me, I know my best time to do any sort of creative writing or if I'm going to send an email or want to be super productive, like the morning time is my best time of day to do it. For a long time, I was waiting till the kids were bed at the end of the day and trying to do it at the end of the night. And it was just so hard, so hard. And so I was like forcing myself to put out this subpar quality stuff because it was the only time of day when, but when I realized, Hey, if I get up an hour earlier in the morning, I can bust out 10 times the amount of stuff and it's so much better. That's where now that goes. Like I make sure that that is happening at that time of day. Same thing with working out, like working out at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. It's not my best time to do that. So if I make sure that it's happening first thing in the morning in the day throughout the month, the same thing, like there's times of the week when you would 
typically be, you know, what people call like PMSing, you're going to be, you know, filled with all of these thoughts of I'm not good enough. I'm not a great mom. I'm not this. I can't do this. Like I'm miserable, whatever. And maybe those aren't the thoughts that you're thinking, but that's the time of the month when you're going to be more likely to think all of that sort of stuff. And so when you recognize that, give yourself the space to journal it out. Maybe give yourself that extra self-care that week. If you, you are aware of where you're at in those cycles, in those seasons of the month and the day of the year, it gives you kind of a focus of where you need to be, um, what activities you need to be doing or how can you modify so that you can adjust to that. And so I, the, everybody I've shared it with, all of my clients, they, they walk away feeling like, oh my gosh, I, I feel so empowered to know like, hey, this isn't who I am, right? This is just the week where I'm at right now. And next week it's going to be different and that's okay. So yeah. I guess that it's just how you can use your body, your timing, the, the year, the cycle, everything to maximize your productivity and, and allow yourself the space to rest when it's time to rest. Yes. And I love this because Renee, this is something that I know I'm probably going to have to take more time to really kind of master it and really yeah. um, make sure that I'm utilizing this the most. But I remember hearing, I think it was Dana Malstaff talking about it, how with our cycles and knowing when, what times during the month you're most productive so that you can schedule things around that time. So even like for her, you know, with creating these different products, whatever it is that she's working on, she knows like, okay, I'm not going to do it like at the end of the month because that's when I'm dragging. So I love that you brought that up with our cycles because that is like, it's real. Like, yeah, (laughs) we we definitely go through, through the cycle of feeling really, really good and energized and feeling super hot and sexy. And then we're, you know, go through a slump where we're feeling really down and dragging and tired and just don't want anyone to touch you. So I am totally with you on this one. Yeah. It's like, it's true. There's times of my month where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have all of these ideas. Like I want my business to do this and this and this and this. And then like two or three weeks later, I'm like, I'm going to burn it all down to the ground. Like (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore, you know? And so it really does like it, it takes, and, and a lot of times people ask me like, well, what if I'm postpartum and I don't have a period or if I'm menopausal or like whatever, like there's all these other ifs, ands or like other reasons, but no matter what, if you're bleeding or not, or if the hormones are totally in act or not, like we all have a cycle, like we're mm-hmm. all going to still, you're going to still have times of the month, you know? And so I've, I've told people that that don't have that, like that they don't have that marker to figure out where they're at potentially, that you, there's a, two options you could do. One would be to really just tune into yourself and figure out like, where are, where am I right now? Like, where am I feeling really high? Am I feeling really low? Am I feeling really maxed out or wherever? And like just paying attention to where you're at and kind of maybe journaling or tracking it and then trying to figure out where in that cycle you might be. And then the other one would be just to kind of superimpose it over yourself and use something like the moon that has a 28 day cycle, just like a menstrual cycle would Mm -hmm. and say like, okay, the moon is full right now. I'm going to, you know, gear towards this energy level right now and kind of then try to pick and get on cycle with that so that it then you have like a marker, but those would be my two, but everybody has like a cycle. We all have, you know, a rhythm in our month. It's just a matter of tapping into and figuring out where we're at in that. I, I really, it's funny because I'm thinking about 
where I'm at right now. And if I'm really feeling like I'm super creative because I took a break during the month of December, um, as far as the podcast and I didn't put out anything new. And I honestly, I felt a little guilty about it. And then I was like, you know, like I was talking to my coach. She was like, no, take a break. Like if you need it, take a break. And I think that we need to be reminded of that too, with these rhythms and flows that you're talking about, that it's okay to, you know, scale back, relax. And there's times that we got to go full steam ahead and get things done. So I love that. Yeah. The first three days of your menstrual cycle, you should be resting. So that would be the month or the time of the month where you would just like let the dishes pile up. You let the laundry pile up. You, or maybe you order takeout or whatever. Like you just know, and you plan for that time of the the month that you're just, you're taking a rest, you're chilling out. And oftentimes when I first started doing it, it felt really guilty. I felt really guilty of just taking three days off of all of those duties and just having fun and relaxing, hanging in the hammock in the backyard, sitting on the couch, reading a book. But we need those days. Like it's only three days out of 30 something in the month, you know, and like you need those, that time to recharge in order to keep up your energy. Now, Renee, you shared with us some really good stuff. So I just wanted you to recap really quick the four steps here before um, we move into this last segment of the topic. So the four steps to kind of rising above all of the overwhelm are first to align with your priorities and really know what those are, declutter and simplify, and then um, creating your team and delegating and automating, and then finding rhythm and flow in all of it. So. Awesome. I love that. I'm definitely going to start utilizing that. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Renee. Yeah. Now, Renee, before we sign off, I wanted you to leave us with an inspirational quote or words of encouragement for us moms. I think that the one that just comes to mind is it's okay to be still. I think oftentimes we think that we have to be going, going, going. And so just giving ourselves permission, like it's okay to be still. Yes, I am totally with you on that because I do need some time to just kind of veg out and just do nothing. So Renee, where can we find you online if we want to learn more about you, connect with you, and just see more of what you have to offer? Yeah. So the easiest place to find me is at my website, which is just reneefick.com. And that's um, a or Renee with an A and an F I E C K. Um, and then the same name on Instagram. Um, I go over all of these, these different, uh, steps in a little bit more in depth within the rising moms club. And that can just be at risingmomsclub.com. And yeah, I'm that those are the places you can find me the most. Awesome, Renee. And I will definitely make sure to include all of that in the show notes. So Renee, thank you so much for coming out and talking to us and giving us all this really good information. And I, I, sometimes I have to be a little selfish and get some free coaching, but this was really good for me too. So thank you, Renee. I really, really appreciate it. This was awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Now, there you have it. That is Brene's four-step process to rising above the overwhelm. I hope you have found this podcast helpful, and I hope that you take away something from this episode today. And if you do, definitely tag me on Instagram at Real Happy Mom. Let me know what you found helpful and how you're implementing this in your daily routine. Next week, we have another awesome episode coming up with Anne. She is going to be talking about some ways that we can do some home improvement. And I'm not talking about that stuff on HGTV. I'm talking about some home improvement so that we can manage things better. 
Do me a favor. If you found this podcast helpful, rate and subscribe. What this does is help other moms find this podcast and then also lets me know that this podcast has been helpful for you. I definitely want to keep bringing you more good stuff. So let me know by hitting rate and subscribe. It means so much to me and it only takes a few seconds. Also, you want to subscribe so that you'll be notified when the next episode comes out and when the Mommy Talk Thursday comes out, which is every Thursday. Now, I don't send out notifications or emails about that, but if you are subscribed, you will be notified of the new Mommy Talk Thursday episodes. Now that does it. Have a great week and I will catch you next time with lots of love. 2020 is finally here and you said you wanted to make your side hustle a real profitable business. The first step to making this happen is to lay a solid brand foundation that puts you in front of the right people. Sure, you could type up your company name with your favorite colors and hop on Wix and put together a free website, but those things won't attract the quality customers and clients you want to work with because the foundation isn't there. Don't waste your time in 2020 on things that don't work. Contact Lindsay from Organized Chaos to help you turn your passion into profit by developing a winning brand strategy that creates options for your side hustle. Working one-on-one with Lindsay will help you to find clarity in your messaging and attract the customers and clients that will pay your premium rates. Get started with a free consultation with Lindsay today by going to realhappymom.com website. No more wishing. Make dreams come true with a professional brand strategy now.